And that just triggered a, something in me. And I grabbed him by the throat, I squeezed, and I threw him down. <laughs> This is Meet the Fam, a podcast series from The Way Church. Meet the Fam is a place for you to meet the community, the people who make up The Way family. I'm Matt Rothy, pastor at The Way Church, and I want to welcome you to the second season of this podcast. Joining us on this episode is someone who has at least twice the experience that I have with starting a church and has the unique perspective to share not only the history of our church, but also the church that started us. Rebecca Karwaski, thank you so much for being here. Yep. <laughs> so I alluded to it in the introduction just a little bit. You not only were a part of this church's launch team, but also the church that started this church. So maybe take us back to your history moving here to Virginia and being a part of that. Right, yeah, because... Um before I moved here, and I find this this is an interesting thing. This was before the internet. <laughs> I went to my pastor and said, hey, I need to find out what Wells churches are in Virginia. And so he said, okay. And he looked it up that it was Roanoke or Falls Church. I said, well, that's great because Falls Church is close to where I would be working. So I moved out here and started going to Grace in Falls Church. So went there for quite a few years, and then when we moved our building to Quantico, we decided to move to Fredericksburg. I'm like, well, that's a long drive, but we made the drive occasionally. But then they said, hey, we're going to start a church in Woodbridge, and of course we were ecstatic about that. So we went to the first meeting of that, and we didn't have a name, but we met in a school gym you know, so we were at the first one, so we became a charter member of that, started being involved in some of the planning and naming of the church. And what was interesting is when we first met, it was Trinity Sunday. Okay. Oh. And we said, hey, we should be called Trinity. There you go. Because yeah. we started Trinity Sunday. So we met in the school gym for quite a while. And then from there, we went on, got a storefront, met in a storefront. For a while. Okay, so, so I want to I want to ask more about just that getting started, but yeah. to give some context, you said pre-internet. So what what year did Grace in Falls Church start Trinity Lutheran Church in I Woodbridge? I believe that was it was ninety two. Okay, nineteen ninety two. All right, so you were a part of that as charter members. How many how many families or how many people about do you remember were there? helping to pick the name. Right, and this was in concert, because I didn't say that this was not only Grace, but there was a church that started in Manassas. That's right. After I came out, so they had just started. So they combined those two to be Trinity, and I want to say it was probably maybe 30, 40 families. There was oh, quite fantastic. a few. Yeah. There was quite a few. And uh, But a, after we got going, a lot of them went back to Manassas because they were a young church yeah. then. So a lot of them kind of migrated back. So we did lose a few, but there was quite a few families, I thought, for starting out. Absolutely. So two churches, 
Bethlehem and Manassas, Grayson Falls Church, got together to start Trinity and Woodbridge. And you said, at first you met in a school building, then you said, all right, we need to find something a little more permanent. And you guys looked for a storefront. Right. Okay. And so we were in that storefront for a while. And then the unfortunate yet fortunate thing was we outgrew that space. Yeah, that's a good problem to have. Right. So we said, we need a bigger space. And then that's when we went to the McCourt building, which is the government center. Okay. And that's a nice big auditorium kind of a place. The bad part of it is we had to haul our stuff in and out every Sunday. <laughs> which you're very familiar I, with so at this I got point real in good time. At <laughs> <laughs> you're a veteran at that yeah, by this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they had leased some space in a different storefront. Okay. And um, we stored stuff there, and then we hauled it back and forth. But it was great because you had nice seating and, and all of that. So then we were there for quite a while until somebody found a wine bottle in the trash <laughs> and said, you can't have alcohol in a government building. So Yeah, and just for listeners, we are having wine bottles at our churches because we celebrate the Lord's Supper and use wine. And uh, that was not okay in a government building, right. apparently, according to the lease. So you guys were back out. Trinity is how many years old at this point? That was probably, I would say about eight years. Okay, maybe? so eight years old, and you guys are still uh, kind of a portable church now looking for a new home. Yeah. In that time, we went just very temporarily to another church and we met there in the evenings, so okay. we used their church. But then soon after that, we found the little white building, which was the, I think it was a Methodist church, had built a new church. And so that building was was available. And so we met there, and we stayed at the white building for quite a few years. Okay. All right. Now, I know there's a pretty um, big event coming up in Trinity's history that I want to ask you about. But first, take me back to those early days of being a portable church, of picking a name, of meeting together for the very first time. Tell me about that experience with Trinity and compare it to your experience with our church, because we did all that just five years ago here. Well, yeah, as far as Picking the name, it was kind of similar to what we did. Is a couple people proposed a few names. They circulated it around everybody. Everybody vote on it. We got together one Sunday, and the majority of the votes, and you just brought up your vote, you know, and they counted them, and pretty much everybody said, yeah, Trinity, let's do Trinity. All right. And I think isn't that kind of what we did is we we voted that is, yeah, on we, a few names. We did that, and we— allowed for just one additional wrinkle to that. We all proposed a bunch of names and spent maybe a month, you know, just brainstorming names. And then after we got a list, and I, I still have the list somewhere of, it was, I don't know, like 60 names that, you know, people thought of, that, uh, that people had considered. You know, from there, we got it down to 12. From there as a group, we got it down to, I believe, four. And one thing that I did uh, with a couple different people who are part of our launch team, we went out and we did community surveys and we asked people that had no uh, affiliation with our church, uh, who just lived in our community, what they thought about these four names. So we got their responses, um, but but we considered the community input as well as all of the original launch team members. I remember sitting around a uh, family's living room, and we didn't do the ballots. We all kind of took a turn to 
speak out loud, kind of make a case for the one we wanted. And that's all we did for like, you know, that whole evening. We got together, had some good food and talked about a name. And I remember that very fondly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah. And the community liked the same name that we liked. And so that's why we're the Way Church. Yeah. So, all right, you guys are now eight years old as Trinity and brings you up to the like late 90s. You guys grew at that point, uh, obviously because you uh, left smaller spaces, but also grew to the point where it was an idea to start a school. Yeah, and that was a big push of the church to start you know, a school for the kids because a lot of families had young kids. And the pastor at the time, he had young kids. And so they wanted to start a, a school and, and also a daycare mm-hmm. for the real little ones. And so that's when they leased this one storefront, had a couple classrooms. They brought in teachers from— Martin Luther College. Yeah, yeah yep. Martin Luther. So they started, and, I, and there was a lot of just combined grades, but they mm-hmm. had, had the different classrooms. And then the, there was another space that they rented to use as a daycare. And so they had a few folks in there to watch the little the little kids. So that worked out really well for a while, but then it got to be pretty expensive. Yeah. After a while, they realized we're not making the money that we thought we would, even yeah. though they charged for the school <laughs> and they charged for the daycare. I don't know. It, it was the time when I think finances were, were tough. And we did lose some members because of, I think, people moving out of the area and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So they made the decision, finally, we've got to close the school, we've got to close the daycare. Mm. And so that was tough, and that was really a tough time for the church. Yeah. So we you know, we really had to figure out what are we going to do. And I don't know, somehow we, we got through that, you know, brought in some new members. And then that's, I think, around the time that we moved to the white building. So then we had an identity. Yeah. You know, we had a place that we met. And so that seemed to help us kind of get over that bump. Yeah, and that's that's really hard for, you know, any church, much, much less one that's new to go through something that is difficult like that. You said it was very tough families left because of that and also because of just moving as well. Other than having to make the really difficult decision to close something that was very near and dear to so many, uh, what what made that experience difficult? I think there was a lot of hard feelings. Yeah. Now, our kids didn't go there because we were too far away, but mm. for the folks that were in and around Woodbridge, it was hard feelings because mm. now they had, it felt like they were being abandoned, I think, you know, and then they had to put their kids in public schools mm. or find different daycares. So I know there was a lot of yeah. lot of heartache going on on there, but overall, everybody came to the decision, yeah, it was probably best that we did close financially. Yeah. We had to. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's really a great thing for, you know, any church to think about, like, how can we share the gospel with more people? Doing that through daycare, through school is one way that uh, makes a lot of sense to get to share Christ and that mission to the Woodbridge area. But then to, you know, have that part that you really, really cared about, you know, like your school and close it down, no doubt difficult. And you said a statement that I'm really interested about, that when you closed, as difficult as that was, you now had an identity as you moved on to the next chapter. What do you mean by that? Well, I think 
just being in a in a temporary church like or or in the McCourt building, you couldn't really put up the signages that you could be there all the time. And then we were in somebody else's church. So then once we moved into our own church, we could actually leave the signs up mm-hmm. and say, hey, this is where we are. Mm-hmm. This is where we meet. And I think at that point, we just started the ball rolling as far as, okay, we are an established church. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we had that that feeling, you know, especially in the McCourt building. We mm-hmm. come and meet in a government center. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it really helped us get over that because it really was a tough time. We had an identity with the with the school mm-hmm. and the daycare, but then when that was taken away, mm. it's like, okay, who are we? Are we going to be able to survive? And then finding that building, we're like, okay, we can establish here. And and we were there for a while, and then we just started growing again because I think we could focus more on, okay, here we are in the church, let's focus on that, and then we'll build you know build back up from there. Besides having a building that you could identify yourselves with, that the community could identify you with, what were some other things that really uh, helped Trinity rebound following having to close and move on from their school? Well, I'm wondering if it just wasn't the realization. If we want this to succeed, we got to pull together and, and do this. And so I think it was just a lot of hard conversations amongst the members and the members looking out for each other at that point and just becoming a community, you know, a church community that I think helped us. And then from there, then we went out and reached out into the rest of the community mm. and say, here we are, let the surrounding areas know that we were there. That's, that is really cool to see. That's really cool to see. And especially because at this point now, what, it's more than a decade old church, right? And so we'd like to think, you know, we're half that age right now and that we'd like to think that, oh, you know, we're, we're, we're a community that we're established. But as a church, we haven't gone through anything that I would call either difficult or anything that kind of is jarring to your church identity. We just started, got together and got to form our identity. And we're really thankful that uh, we have, you know, been able to grow since then. Uh, But then to go through something like that and be like, you know, this is kind of a rally time for us as an entire church. That's a, that's a formative experience. Yeah, that that was, because it's like, we're going to either succeed or we're going to close. So what do we want to do? So we pulled together, you know, to make, ourselves succeed. Yeah. And you kind of, you know, say that lightly, but that was a very real consideration from what I've heard, wasn't it? That, you know, maybe, maybe this church just no longer exists. Right. And, and that was scary for a lot of people. Okay. What do we do? And that's fortunately that building came available. We're like, okay, let's go in here. Let's focus. Yeah. I only wanted to highlight that because where I'm going is that it's really amazing to see where Trinity came from and where they are now. So after that, moved into a building. It's affectionately known as the White Building. Wasn't it also a historical marked building? Yeah, it's a historic landmark. Okay. It's, it's a very, very old church building. Okay. That doesn't have a bathroom, which made it real interesting. <laughs> so it didn't have bathroom. Did it have air conditioning? No, we put in a window unit 
that okay. barely worked. Yeah, it was great. But it, you know, it was ours. It was it was uh, really interesting to be in an historic building like that. Yeah. It had a balcony. The acoustics were were awesome. Maybe better than the gymnasiums. Yeah, well, it was different. <laughs> yeah. But and from there we grew. And then we were growing out of this white building. We had two services. We we grew to the point we ended up having two services in this building. Wow. And we said, oh, okay, now that we're growing, we need another building. And then that's when they started going looking for the building that they have now, which okay. is an old daycare. That's right. So timeline, Trinity started in 1992, and then they moved into the white building. Are you, are you familiar with about when that was? Yeah, I would say it was probably 2002-ish, okay. somewhere in there. Okay, and you spent how many years in that white building? <sighs> probably Six years, maybe okay. something like yeah. that. Yeah, so really a, a wonderful second or third chapter for Trinity to get to you know grow in uh, all those wonderful ways in this building, have have an identity of their own, and then you said, all right, they're like we're outgrowing this. Let's look for a different building, and they purchased what was formerly a daycare. It is now renovated, beautiful worship space. Tell us about that experience because yeah. this is now the first building that Trinity. Owned, right? right, and to the credit of the, there was a couple of individuals that did all of this work. Went and got the building, got it purchased, worked with a company to renovate it, and just like you said, just do the sanctuary that turned out. I thought wonderfully. Mm-hmm. It's got a kitchen in there. It's got meeting rooms. It's got the office for the pastor. That was a work on a on a few individuals just to make all that happen. And and I thought that turned out great. They even brought in a company to do the acoustics, sound system, you know, all of that, so that we could have the sound and you know make it look good, make it sound good in there. And that that was a process, and that took, gosh, I'm thinking, you know, maybe a year and a half, something like that, to get that done. But there again, that was a process, getting the input from the congregation. You know, because we were looking at another location too, voting on which location would be best. And I think this location that they're in it turned out to be the better location. Mm-hmm. And it just how you took a daycare and turned it into a church. It really, it really was nice. Yeah, it was a lot of work on a few individuals. Yeah. to wow. to make that happen. But even even though they included everybody in some of the decisions, what color scheme, what kind of Seating, what should the seating look like? You know, the flooring, you know, a lot of that. They asked people's input on it. I thought that was kind of neat that we all could play a part in it. That's cool. And you think about those conversations that a church is having. You were talking about what is this building going to look like? How is it going to serve our ministry in this community in the best way? And not a few years earlier, you're having much different conversations, conversations about should just church even exist. So what a milestone right. for Trinity. Yeah, and it was just, it was a great celebration. And what was I thought was kind of neat is we had brought in a brand new pastor. Okay. Because during the transition time, the pastor we had got a call to another congregation, so we had to call a, a new one, which was 
an experience in, in itself, you know, trying to call a pastor and uh, bring in this, this, you know, young pastor. And he had been in the white church for a couple of years, so he got all caught up in the excitement of, let's get this new building. So it was it was really a great experience, you know, to bring in bringing him in and you know, being part of all this planning. Yeah. We're going to come back to the building conversation in a little while, but let me let me ask this. So you get in to the first building that Trinity's ever owned. The church is now like really, you know, into its fourth chapter and really things went quite well. Uh, Trinity continued to grow in their new home. Then what happened? So you guys are in there and things are comfortable. And I remember people started asking the question, now what? What's next? Yeah, because we were growing. And there again, we had two services and each service had quite a few folks. And a lot of those folks were people like us coming from Fredericksburg. A lot of Fredericksburg people or North Stafford Mm -hmm. and traveling there, you know, back and forth. Conversation started in, hey, could we expand this? Could we go to Fredericksburg? And, you know, in my mind, I'm jumping up and down <laughs> and going, yes, yes, let's do this. And then that's when they brought in Pastor Burkholz yeah, and said, we think we can do this. Yeah. So if you are listening to this and you haven't already, I would say stop and at some point go listen to an episode we actually did with Mark Burkholz. He's a pastor who serves in our church body as our North Atlantic District Mission Counselor. He advises and counsels churches on how to start a church. And and he shared a little bit what that experience was like for him. And he did it from what I'll, I'll say is a very pastoral and very church body focused Focus. Share with us your experience of what that was like to really help start Trinity, be a charter member there, go through a really interesting and fascinating history in a relatively short period of time, decade and a half, right? So not an old church by any means. And now you're a church that is looking to start another church. And you're a part of that. Yeah. And, and you know, of course, we were really excited about it and wanted to be part of any of that planning. And we had the unique experience of doing this once before, you know, getting Trinity going. And so I thought, well, we can at least give some advice on on what to do. But it what just... Was, what was your advice? Well, one of my, one of my <laughs> pieces of advice is let's start out slow. Let's just yeah. work on the church. Don't think about expanding too fast. Try not to do too much too fast. Mm-hmm. And if I'm reading you right, that's coming from the fact that you know maybe Trinity did that with starting out very well and then moving right into a, a school. Yeah. And I think it was just, it just wasn't the right time yeah. with the way that economy was at the time. They just overextended. Yeah. Well, and what you said too was, said something to the effect that when that happened, the community, the church community itself strengthened and grew, and then you would reach out to the the surrounding community in general. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to, like get your church culture right, build a strong faith community of people who are really bought in, want to do this, want to share the gospel. And then you've got something to share with the community as a whole. Right. And, and that's a thing is we needed to get an identity going first. I think get out into the community, get community involvement 
and then you can go from there. Yeah, and then I mean that's one of the areas that I felt you really supported me and our launch team when we started here because people are so excited when you're starting a church and, and we thank God for that. And oftentimes people are like, oh, let's start this program and that program and have this thing and that thing. And you were one of the very strong voices, very steady, calm voices that was like, well, can't do it all. Can't do it all. Let's just, let's just start out with this, a church. All right. So that was one of the pieces of, of advice that you gave Trinity as they were they were looking to start what would eventually be the way. What other piece of, of advice early on do you remember? We were looking where could we meet and how were we going to meet? And so we talked about, well, okay, if we can't all meet in some building, some, let's start meeting in people's houses. Mm-hmm. And so we started talking about, okay, can we do this? And so we just started going to different people's houses and getting together and trying to do some planning. Mm-hmm. And that was even before you showed up. Yeah, I was going to make that point. This is even before you guys had decided that you're going to call a pastor or knew where this church was going to be. You guys met just with some families that are now a part of our church that lived even in Fredericksburg and Stafford. So what kind of conversations were people having then? Yeah, and I think it was, okay, how do we do this? You know, because a lot of people hadn't done this before. And mm-hmm. and a lot of that was we did meet at Trinity at off hours and Pastor Burkholz would come and give us some guidance on that. But it's like, okay, how are we gonna do this? Where do we go? Where do we focus? And really that was that was kind of the the basic, okay, what do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we get going? And then, okay, we need to call a pastor. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people had never called a pastor before, and so we had to go through that, you know, that process again. But that was the bulk of the conversations. And then, then we're like, okay, well, when do we do this? Mm-hmm. You know, and we really couldn't do anything until we called a pastor. So we kind of were on a timeline of, okay, we're not going to start anything until we get a pastor, and then we'll start going from there. Yeah, and that brings us to 2016, where. Trinity and uh, North Atlantic District Mission Board called me and uh, my wife and I moved out here. But before that, let me let me point something out or, or ask you to react to something. Trinity grew, God really blessed Trinity over the course of its young history so that listeners have a accurate picture. Trinity was not a giant church. It was a very healthy, medium-sized church, average you know, worship in the mid 100s on every Sunday. And for a lot of people looking at a church that size, they would say, that is way too small to take a portion of your members and send them south to start a new church. You have to be, you know, much larger, much more secure to do something like that. How is it that a church that, you know, is medium to small decides to go, nope, we're big enough to go start another church and and send what what ended up being about 10 families to come and be a part of the church in Fredericksburg. Yeah, react to that. <laughs> yeah, I I was actually surprised that they were willing to do that. They knew they were going to lose quite a few families. But I think at the same time they're like how can we grow even more? And branching off seemed to be the path that they wanted to take. How do we get 
get the word out even further because this whole area is growing so much. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we grow, you know, and, and bring in more people into the church church body itself? And you couldn't start another one in Woodbridge. You couldn't. You had Manassas. You got Woodbridge. Where is your next growth area? Mm-hmm. And you've got Fredericksburg is is a huge area. And I think they decided that was how we were going to bring in more more families. I think that is perhaps one of the most remarkable things that I have observed being very new to this area myself is the heritage of really mission-minded individuals and churches that are part of this Washington, D.C. metro area. Falls Church is the oldest church in the area. And from day one, they've always looked at this area and go, okay, where's the place where we can further God's kingdom and be on mission next? And not looking past their own backyard. They've looked to Manassas. They've looked to other areas around DC metro area, looked from there to Woodbridge. And that that culture, that that mission mindset is such a part of the DNA of all of the churches that got started to where it is just so remarkable to me that a small to medium-sized church already looks and goes, okay, we're, we're willing to be even smaller to send a couple families from our church to further God's kingdom. And that is just what we do. And a lot of people might go, oh my goodness, that, <laughs> that is taking a risk. You know, how are you going to be financially, community, identity-wise secure to, to continue and last? And, and yet they took that, what we might call a risk, really in faith, trusting that God would continue to bless the efforts to share the gospel with more people. It's just something I find really fascinating because so often we have the idea that you got to be at least, you know, this many hundreds large or, uh, you know, only really big, old, established churches, you know, daughter churches and start other church plans. But that's not the case. And Trinity is the primary example of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're the beneficiary of that. We are. We most certainly are. And that and that does. That brings us to us 2016, where my wife and I just showed up here. <laughs> and uh, I got called uh, from our seminary graduation to come out here and start a church and did not know at the time all of this history that you're sharing with us. So walk me through what that uh, what that was like for this pastor that you talked about calling to just show up and be here. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what, that Sunday that you first showed up there, everybody was so excited. Who is this guy? We need to meet this guy. Who is this pastor going to be starting this new church? There was a lot of excitement that Sunday. I remember that. Yeah, I remember feeling so welcomed. And I remember that first trip up to Trinity so vividly. My wife and I drove up there, and I think we drove rather quickly because everyone had told us, you know, you're going to want to leave early. Traffic around here is no joke. You're going to want to be there. And so we left our apartment in Fredericksburg, drove up there, and, and we got there like as quickly as you can get from Fredericksburg to Woodbridge. And we're like, oh, that's not a terrible drive. I don't know what everyone has been complaining about all these years. And then I remember just enjoying the wonderful Sunday there. And then our drive back from Woodbridge down to Fredericksburg, I think took just over like 90 minutes or something like that. And we were parked on 95 for a while and we're like, oh, that's why 
They want to start a church, not here. So I remember that Sunday very, very well. And I remember being so welcomed by not only the people who are going to help start the church here in Fredericksburg, but really all of the members at Trinity, Pastor Bergaman and his family. And I remember, and I still will say this, that if I wasn't asked to start a church here and I just moved out here, I'd love to be a part of Trinity. <laughs> and uh, so we started and yet uh, we were really much a part of Trinity for that first year. We we still didn't start a church down here in Fredericksburg. Uh, walk us through your memories of really what was like a, a whole year where we kind of stayed as a part of Trinity. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because they all knew who was leaving, you know, but it, w- it was kind of neat though, because then, you know, we would meet at Trinity but then we would have our our talks after mm-hmm. as far as the planning, you know, what we're going to do, when we're going to start meeting, when we're going to start pulling away. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it was kind of nice to have both of that, be a Trinity member and then move on to be a member of a new church. Mm-hmm. And I think doing it slowly helped Trinity get used to the fact that we were not going to be there because in reality, we were losing myself and Mark Patoka as mm-hmm. two of the, the keyboardists. Yeah, yeah. And that was hard for them to <laughs> kind of get their heads wrapped around that, yeah. that we were leaving. Yeah, we, you know, I could say this for, I think, so so many of the people there, but really some people who were very active at that church too came down to be a part of this. And so I never have considered it, maybe it's selfish of me only thinking of our church and our church experience, but yeah, just what that would have meant for Trinity. That was something I can't say I didn't think of because I I got to witness it. We uh we spent about nine months, you know, our church being a part of Trinity, and then we had a commissioning service at the beginning of 2017, where it was kind of a we'll see you later goodbye for yourself. You mentioned the Patokas and so many other families that had long been a part of that church. And they really sent us off with their blessing. And there's a special, what I'll call like a farewell, you know, commissioning ceremony in worship that was, that was really special to watch and yet was really bittersweet mm-hmm. for a lot of families. Right. Yeah. Including was, yourself. Yeah. It was really. Yeah, like I said, bittersweet because there was a church that we were a part of from the beginning and mm-hmm. now we're leaving. But it was exciting because <laughs> we were going to start a new one with people we knew. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was an interesting Sunday, I guess. Yeah. Just that whole process. Yeah. It was interesting for me to observe because I knew the reason I was out here was to start a church in Fredericksburg, got to love Trinity so much over the first year that we were there, but I had still only been there a year. But to watch people who had been there around 15 years or or maybe just a little less and really grown to love Trinity, have gone through that entire history with Trinity, say not goodbye forever, but in a sense, goodbye, we're, we're heading to the way, that was moving. Mm-hmm. That was really powerful for me to see just what it meant for people to be a part of a church family. Yeah, that, and really that's what it was. Now we were starting a new family, Yeah, I guess. Yeah. We started a church 2017. We were here 
compare the two experiences, both starting one in the beginning of the 90s and then the later part of uh, you know the decade leading up to 20, 2020, where we're at now, 2017, what was different between those two experiences, getting started with Trinity and getting started with The Way? Well, I can say I think starting The Way, we were more involved than we were starting Trinity. We just kind of fell into that. But it was easier communicating, I guess, starting the way, because now we could email each other, we could text (laughs) each other. Yeah. You know, before you just got the information through, okay, you show up, they give you this newsletter, (laughs) uh, or they mail it to you. So it was more timely. You could get updates, you could work with people more timely. I think things at the beginning of Trinity, it moved a little bit slower because it was hard to get reaction from people as quickly. We could make decisions, Mm -hmm. or if we had to change something, we could change something. We could just get everybody, you know, everybody's reaction or just talk to everybody a lot easier. So I think starting the way to me was, it was more, I don't know, if it was just quicker Mm -hmm. to get everything going. Mm -hmm. And, And like I said, I think I you know, we were a lot more involved with this one decision-making than we were before. And I guess it's just because our role starting Trinity wasn't a huge role. We were just members. Yeah. That, that's really an interesting kind of uh, perspective on it, that it was faster. Because earlier you said that we did things slower. In fact, we took a whole year from the time that we first met to the time where we had our first public worship service where we didn't have public worship services. We just met as a group twice a month at first and then every Sunday after about half a year and we would have worship services and then we what we called mission meetings where we would talk through some of the big picture questions and matters that, that you've already touched on. What's our identity going to be? How are we going to be a part of this community? How are we going to serve people who are a part of this community? that are not a part of our church family yet? How are we going to reach them? How are we going to serve themselves and ourselves? How, how are we going to grow? Where are we going to worship? We, we talked through all of these different questions, questions about our name, questions about were we going to rent space or were we going to be a portable church? We talked about those for the better heart part of a year before we did it. So it was this kind of intentional slowdown. And yet at the same time, we were able to do it quickly. And so what I'm hearing, and I'm finding this interesting, is that you said that it was it was almost eight years. And I, and I know it, it was much sooner than that because you were able to start a school and do tremendous things. Were you, were you as Trinity were able to stop and go like, this is who we are and who we want to be? Not that you didn't do that much sooner, but those were conversations that we had and we tried to do in one year to start out with kind of a, an idea of who we are. Yeah, like I said, I think it was just a whole different process how it was done starting Trinity than it is Yeah, it, what, what we just went through here. One of the other big differences is the fact that we continue now four years in to set up every single Sunday and you're a part of that. So (laughs) you've been a part of that as we worshiped in a movie theater and then also as we worshiped at the YMCA where we're a part of now. What's your experience like with that? Because you are very much a part of that 
every single week. Yeah, and I was I was the person that when they decided, okay, we've got to do this portable for Trinity, how are we going to do this? And I had to come up with a list of what equipment do we need. I went out and did the bids. I went and purchased all of the equipment. And then I ended up having to haul it back and forth <laughs> most of those Sundays. You know, so a lot of that fell on me to let's come up with our our audio system and and how do we broadcast our audio and and it was just in there what we're doing now is even you know more but so it it's it's similar in a way but different it's still gathering all the gear that we need setting it up tearing it down but now we have the added we've got a band back then it was just I'm just plugging a keyboard into a a mixer and yeah. that, and that was it and then one microphone yeah for the pastor that was it now you know we've got a full band we're live streaming. To me, it might seem like it's a lot more, but it's more exciting. Yeah. And I think it's more effective. Yeah. So I, and it's really not much more work, I don't think, but we've got a whole group of yeah. folks that team. help make it happen. So I don't know. It's, you know, it may seem like it's a lot, but, you know, you just get into it and, you know, you just do it. It's just something you do. I guess it's because I've worked with audio equipment, you know, for 36 years that, it's just second nature, you know. Plus, it's it's cool stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's audio I, stuff. I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do have a incredible team that makes the way we do worship possible every single Sunday. You are a huge part of that. Coming early, setting up specifically audio and technology equipment. It's it's just really neat. And to hear you say it's it's in some sense all the same because you look at it and you go, wow, it's a lot more that we're doing than plugging in a keyboard and just a microphone. And there's churches that do a lot more than what we're doing on a Sunday morning to start it up. And yet it serves a purpose. You said it's effective because as we look at how technology continues to advance, there's more and more ways that churches can use it to to reach the communities around them and, and share the gospel. Yeah. And I know there's some churches that don't do this. And yet they're still not meeting. And one fortunate thing we've had is had this technology Mm -hmm. where we could live stream and we can reach people that don't want to get out because of the pandemic, or maybe they can't for whatever reason. We can reach more people doing what we're doing. And and we do have the technology available now that we didn't have, you know, years ago. And I, I think it's fantastic what we can accomplish. And you look at every Sunday, we have people from other churches logging into our live stream and watching and listening to what we're doing. And I think, boy, if that isn't the most effective way to reach other people, put it out on the internet. You know, people are going to find us. We're at an interesting place in our church's history where we're getting ready to maybe turn the page on a new chapter. Eight months ago, we started a building campaign called A Place for You, where we're looking to raise capital funds specifically for the reason of purchasing a building. And that's something that we're, God willing, looking to do as soon as uh, the right home for us becomes available. As we go through that phase, what advice do you have for us as someone who has gone through that uh, with a church before? And one of the things that we did look at is, okay, is it a space big enough for us right now, Mm -hmm. but also give you enough space for growth? But we also looked at, okay, parking. Parking's a big 
deal, you've got to make sure that you have available parking for folks, especially if you get guests that come in and they show up right at the last minute. They don't want to be parking down the street. Mm -hmm. We also looked at play areas for kids because if you've got kids, you want some place that they can go to, whether it's nursery or just a room, you know, that they can go just to hang out or even, you know, a backyard with some play equipment or whatever. So a lot of that is what we looked at when we were looking for a place for Trinity. And fortunately, the daycare came along and it had all of that. So looking at a building here, I would say kind of similar things. You've got to have enough room. You've got to have room for growth. Yeah, place think about park. the future. And do you have a place where the kids can just go out and, you know, let off some steam? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that's something that we're really excited about. I know all of uh, our members are as well. Um, not only because of the, hey, we're ready to be maybe done with coming early and setting up aspect of being a portable church, but also just what you're able to do in the community when you have a permanent home. I know that's something that we're excited for. Yeah, and I, I think that'll only benefit, you know, once you have a, a building where you can put signage up then you've got people that I think will recognize you and go, okay, you know, whether true or not, okay, now you're at a legitimate church. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> there's that stereotype, whether people recognize that or not. You as a church, as a church community might feel established, but there's maybe a perception that when you are setting up in a movie theater or in a gymnasium at the YMCA, as wonderful as both those landlords have been to us and they are a part of this community, well, we're just, you know, are we just some fly-by-night group or, or what are we? I know in talking to a friend of mine, he had said that too. He says, well, when you get a permanent building, let me know. Mm -hmm. I guess, is that important? Yeah. Must be important to some people, you know, versus the message that you're, mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to share with them. Well, and that's one thing that I think that all of us can speak to is being a church here and getting to share what we love with our friends and family. So many people have so many different backgrounds in church and what their concept of church is. And so, you know, you might have an idea of, oh, this is what my church experience has been like growing up here. This is what my church experience has been like for you. You've been through all this portable stuff. That's very normal for you. That's not normal to a lot of people. It's in fact very foreign. We just had some folks uh, visit recently and they said, we love this kind of setting up stuff. That's not something that you hear all the time because <laughs> uh, they were familiar with that too. And so, you know, you think about your friend that you just mentioned that they are looking forward to a place that is familiar to them. The idea that this building is a familiar space to them is something that we can understand and something that we keep in mind we keep in mind as we look for a future home too, because one thing that we want to do is really be for this community, a place for this community. And that means uh, creating a worship center, a ministry center that uh, anybody from someone who helped start a church and was been here since the beginning and someone who maybe is a new guest is equally comfortable walking into. And that's, that's, something that we're hopeful to. And, you know, we have no plans right now. We have no buildings in mind, but uh, we're working. We're looking for it. Yeah, I think the right one will come along mm -hmm. at, the, at the right time. 
Well, hearing the story about how you guys got into Trinity, and that that's a story that could be a podcast unto itself. And and excuse me, got into Trinity. I mean, Trinity got into the building that they're in. You know, there you look at something like that and you go, praise God for the gifts of the the team that you said really did a lot of work to make that happen. But even on their best days, there's some things that came about only because, you know, you got the Heavenly Father who's cheering you on and, and making things work out there, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why throughout this, Rebecca, you have been for me someone really encouraging with this whole building thing because you know we, we've been at it eight months with the ca- campaign, several months prior to that where we've been doing some planning and some long-term strategic planning about where we would be and what we want it to look like for it to now be over a year, year and a half. And we're not quite in a building yet. Maybe is frustrating to some. It has been for me at times, but you've always been very steady, very calm to go like, no, it'll happen. It'll happen in in God's time and uh, in a place that uh, he already knows about. Yeah, like you said, it'd be nice not to have to, you know, set up every week and just show up. That would be a weird concept, I think, just to walk in. (laughs) Everything's ready to go. But you just get into that, you know, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to set up, it's going to sound great, it's going to look good. Yep. And then we tear it down and we do it all again. Do it again. I showed up here three years ago, showed up to the way to Fredericksburg, and I didn't know about Rebecca, the church planter, that this was your second go around, that you are the veteran, that you are at this. With my position as the worship director, you have been one of the most consistent people to serve, to support, to to do everything with particularly worship, worship in general, the technology, the music, and you have a lot of gifts, like you're an audio expert. You're far too humble about that, but you are an expert. Um, You're a great musician as well, but far off and you're manning the board. You're making everything happen every Sunday. And in, in my mind, we couldn't do a lot of the things we do currently without you. And we're glad that you've been here supporting this. And um, I just think you are a model person to serve in a church. And I, I'm curious what you would have to say to other people who who maybe are thinking about using their gifts and what you would have to say to people who who want to serve in church. Yeah. And 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 really, I, I kind of started out not doing all that. When I started going to Grace, I just showed up there. And then when they started Trinity, I'm like, I need to help make this a success. And I raised my hand and said, I can play keyboards can I be the keyboard person? And they're like, well, yeah, we need somebody to do keyboards. And so that's how I started into that. And so transition down to now we're starting the way. I'm like, I want this to be a success. Where can I help? I can play keyboards. I can do audio stuff. So that was my way of going, I want to make sure this keeps going. I I want this to be a successful church. So anybody out there, they want to be a part of it and they want to just keep rolling here and step up. And, Raise and, your hand, yeah. And and what I find is you get more out of it than what you put into it, I think. I I find myself just being so much more involved. I get so much more out of it, you know, on a Sunday. And, and it just keeps going, you know, through the week then. It's like something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just showing up, listening, and and going back home. You know, it, it just becomes a part of you, and, and it's, just, it's just more enriching for me. So anybody that steps up, yeah, it's a little bit of work. You show up a little bit early. But you are a part of it now, and you make it your own. 
And so anybody that really wants to be part of this church, if they step up, they're going to realize it's more than just, you know, doing the work. You're just, you're, you're a part of it. And you make it a success by being a part of it. That's what I found. That's really awesome to hear because when when I moved here, we've referenced him. Pastor Mark Burkholz said to me and to my wife, what kind of church do you want to go to? Go ahead and start that church. Make it your own. And that's something that I immediately shared with the 10 families that helped start this church. What kind of church do you guys want to go to? Well, we get to make that. And I am thankful for people that have given me that permission, people like you that have like owned that and made it your own because it just inspires me as the pastor of this church. And so I share that with everybody who does join our church, who becomes part of it. And I say, look, we're four years young. <laughs> Listening to the history and all of the opportunities where you had you've gotten to grow in your involvement in the faith communities, the churches that you've been a part of. I think that people can own that and do that at any stage, at any chapter that a church is in to ask the question, what kind of church do I want to go to? What do I want this to be? And how can I contribute to that? Yeah, because it it is what the people that that do this stuff, what they make of it. You know, if you want to be a boring, stuffy church, you just show <laughs> up and, you know, and then leave. But, you know, this is exciting. You know, you direct, you know, how the worship goes. And like I said, and it just continues. You're part of it through the week. And it's, to me, it's more enriching to be that way. John, you mentioned that you didn't know all this about Rebecca when you got here, maybe learned some new stuff today. I've gotten to know you over the past five years together. And then this past fall, I had the privilege of getting to be the officiant at your daughter and your son-in-law's wedding, got to enjoy the reception there. And at the reception, I learned something about you that I've never known before. I got to hear a story. I'll ask you to tell it in just a moment. I believe your sister is the one who told it on your behalf. But I think you guys call it Chocafella Saturday. And this story rocked my world. So I'm going to just put you on the spot and ask you to tell us, what is Chocafella Saturday? <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, every year we go back to Lee's hometown in Trempola, Wisconsin, and every little hometown has their celebration. So it's Trempola Catfish Days. Yes. And we're hanging out on Catfish Days, listening to music, having a great time, having a few beers. And uh, some guy came up to us, and there started some argument about somebody's koozie for their for their beer. <laughs> You know how these things get out of control easily. And there was some pushing and shoving. And uh, this guy who was probably about six foot five pushed Lee down. And, you know, him having his, his leg that's messed up, I was concerned, you know, that he was going to get seriously hurt. And that just triggered a, something in me. And I grabbed him by the throat and I squeezed <laughs> and I threw him down. <laughs> And for all of our listeners, Rebecca is not six foot five. So. Yeah. So to take this tall guy, and I threw him down, and I yelled at him and told him, "You're gonna, you're gonna get out of here, and you're gonna leave us alone." And then the cops came in and hauled him away. But it's like, you know, it's that instinct. You just 
uh, you know, you just kick in. <laughs> like I said, this story absolutely rocked my world because I have known you always as someone who is incredibly kind, incredibly warm and welcoming to me and my family here, does so much for our church, does kind of a lot of work for our church that is behind the scenes in the audio and technology area. A lot of that is kind of quietly behind the scenes. And maybe that's what people see of you. And then to know this story, I'm like, I am never going to mess with my microphone again. (laughs) (laughs) To just know you and to know not only your passion for uh, your your family and uh, Trumpelow Days and Chocofella Saturday, I think is what people call it now. But also just um, this this church and this ministry, Rebecca, is is really encouraging and inspiring for me. And I know it is for so many other people. We're doing this interview far too late. We should have done it a lot sooner. And part of the reason is because of the pandemic that we're just coming out of. But also the timing is, is, is it is what it is now because you're rather busy right now. You are a month before you retire. You are a week out from closing on your home. And then you are moving you and your husband back to the Midwest. So we're going to miss you dearly. We're going to miss you dearly, and I'm thankful that we got the opportunity to sit down because while a lot of people are going to listen to this who may have just met you, or if this comes out in a month's time after you move, they won't get to meet you in person, what they're going to get to know is how much you are a part of this culture, about how much your passion for sharing the gospel and serving in gospel ministry has really influenced this church's DNA, how it's influenced the DNA and the culture at Trinity. And we are just really thankful to be recipients of that that heritage, that legacy that cares so much about the work that, uh, that God's doing through us here. Yeah, it's going to be really uh, different to go back to Wisconsin where there's a Wells Church around every corner, practically. Yeah. You know, it'll be a transition going, okay, I'm going to walk in, check out a couple different churches, go, okay, where do they need me? Yeah. If it's a big church and they've got a lot of people in a lot of roles, maybe I'll look for a smaller congregation. Where do they need me? So that's going to be my mindset going back. Because I've fortunately back there, there's a Wells Church. (laughs) <laughs> in every little town, and a couple little towns have more than one. So it's it will be a different situation, but that's what I plan on doing. Okay, where do you need me? What can I do? Instead of a person just showing up, sitting in a pew, you know, every <laughs> Sunday. So, and, and the other thing is I'm fortunate that there's folks that are talking about stepping up and uh, taking over some of these roles that— uh, that I've been in here. So that's, I think, we're very fortunate to have people willing to jump in and help out. So it makes me feel better that I'm not abandoning you guys. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. someone will be there behind me yeah. to fill in. Yeah. Rebecca, thank you for all that you have done for the Way family. Thank you also for the opportunity to sit down here and spend time with us. Sure thing. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. To get more content designed to connect you to Christ and to community, please subscribe or follow The Way Church wherever you listen to your podcasts. 
or you can head to our website, thewaychurchva.com, for more information.